Welcome to the Economy of Wellbeing podcast. I'm your host, Mark Anielski. My next guest is Leah Mattinson. Leah was actually introduced to me by my previous guest, Ray Curzon. Leah is from Viking, Alberta, and she lives in Edmonton. We connected through interesting circumstances, Ray recommending I reach out to Leah, and over the last few weeks have become good friends. Leah is a change management specialist, a life coach, a speaker, and an author. She works with CEOs and senior managers to build leaders, address issues of workplace conflict, and ensure positive change. Leah inherited the gene for Huntington's disease and is beating the odds through proven simple wellness strategies that anyone can achieve, she says. In her first book, Silver Linings, The Essential Guide to Building Courage, Self-Respect and Wellness, Leah shared how the inheritance of the gene for Huntington's disease, an incurable genetic illness that attacks the mind and body, inspired her to change her life for the better. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Leah Mattinson, very inspirational woman, leader, life coach, and just a wonderful human being. It gives us all hope that anything's possible when we put our minds and hearts to the change we want to be. Thanks for listening. Leah Mattinson, who are you? And what what are you thinking about, dreaming about these days? You're, you're a coach, you're a leadership coach, you're from... Um, Vulcan Al- Viking, right? Viking, Viking, right? Not Vulcan. I won't say Vulcan. Viking, Alberta. So <laughs> again, it's a rare moment when I'm actually talking to an Edmontonian in Albertan. I don't, in fact, I don't think I've ever had an Edmontonian on the show yet. Um, no, I have. No, I've had a, one. One of my friends from Sherwood Park. He's an economist. But um, so I thought we would just have a conversation about you. You have your own podcast. You. You have some amazing guests on your podcast, so we're both seasoned podcasters, and, and and you get into some really cool things, controversial things, uh, but um, well, controversy, con- controversy is just, yeah, the spice of life. That's <laughs> right. It's just, it's all the the context, the framework that it's in. Yeah. Yes. Yes, there's some definitely some controversial things. I started out my podcast seven years ago, so I've been doing it for a long time. I was wow. actually taking a look at the calendar and going, oh, it's like I thought it was only four years, but actually I started in June uh, 2014, so just a couple months before my wow. grandson was born. So this is one of those slow-moving Saturnian sort of efforts. <laughs> <laughs> and the podcast actually came as a result of taking a spiritual course so i've been doing really how tell tell me about that i've been doing a bunch of well i I come i come from a catholic background been sexually abused was working through a bunch of stuff as a result of that yeah which is never an ongoing process and i don't know if i had told you before or not but as a result of the sexual abuse i had actually gained about 100 pounds well more than 100 pounds actually just emotionally eating to deal with that because i didn't actually know what to do with it right right Wow. So then I lost that hundred pounds when I was 32 and I've never put it back on. And, and, and as, as Billy Crystal would say, 
you look marvelous, darling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> well, and if, I, if anyone could see, because they can't see the podcast. So. That's, no, that's too bad. But if they could see, they can check <laughs> they it out. They could see. YouTube replay. Are you recording this? <laughs> we'll put it on my YouTube or something. So open source this thing. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. It, it was a, a big transformation, but it was... Um, I've had lots of opportunities to have moments of reckoning, I guess, in my life. And that, uh, so part of the ongoing process of, uh, love, of finding love and. Wow. You just jumped be, right into that one. Jumping just, right in and being love. Being, and being love. love. Yeah. Being love. <laughs> exactly. As I looked at myself in the mirror and went, I had, um, two little ones and I was single. I was going through my first divorce. Yes, there was more than one. Oh, geez. <laughs> I was single looking at these little peanuts, little sweetheart peanuts. And my first husband was an alcoholic. And so oh. I chose, I chose to leave because I thought I can't, I can't braise them in this. Right. You know, it was my immaturity at the, at a young age thinking that um, he would be able to change because just that's what I thought. I thought he would actually grow up is what I thought out of the alcohol thing. You know, <laughs> like in, in Alberta, great. anyone who's from this province is, or maybe even worldwide, there's lots of drinking when uh, you work in oil and gas and lots of, we had a well site trailer business. I was also a youth counselor for the school division um, in the community we lived in. So I had a lot of mm. responsibility. I worked in sexual abuse treatment. Plus we had this well site trailer business that went in the weeds very quickly because of the alcohol. So oh, could, geez, yeah. there was these very wildly diverse lives of working in for-profit, not-for-profit, lots of expansion. Mm. I took the job in 1991 as the youth counselor for the school division in Provost, and they had uh, just had the cross burning at the Terry oh, Long Ranch. Literally the week I started was like the ranch. Fire <laughs> the cross burn. So like Ku Klux I, Klan or something. It, it was, the, yeah, it was totally that. And so that was an international audience that showed up there. But again, as a result, because the position I was in, in the community at 22 years old, taking care wow. of all schools. Yeah. I had like three K to 12 schools, five village schools and a Hutterite colony and all the kids were in my care. And so when I wheeled in, into this, <laughs> Like what? <laughs> the kids go, well, how do we actually deal with this? So I just said, well, we do. We just deal with it with love. So uh, I had a really strong uh, uh, board that said, you know what to do. They had no clue. <laughs> I just was like, well, let's get some buses. Let's go out there. The kids are all. Let's send some love. And they, we don't want the world to think that Provost Alberta is this place of redneck um, people haters. We want them to know that we're wise, intelligent, loving uh, beings. And so that was kind of the response to that. So then flash forward, you know, my, my experience, I guess, just in this, uh, the juxtaposition of life is that sometimes you can be wildly successful at some things, and then internally having this real big disconnect um, from God and from love. And, and so mm. that uh, has been a constant sort of theme, I think, not in only my life, but in the lives of the people who I've worked with. So Flash forward to the age of uh, about 40, I was going, then I had the, uh, uh, another devastating diag a diagnosis of something that's incurable, uh, terminal, neurological, familial, and then went, okay, now what am I going to do with that? Because the you know kids are at risk and that's all complex. Going through my second divorce, which was like... <laughs> <laughs> like again, that's a, yeah, that's a train wreck. No, that's a train wreck. That's right. So, and, and so losing community, losing community twice. Uh, oh. So all of these huge things. And uh, then 
Where were you then? At? I was in Physic uh, was physically I was in the Okanagan. Oh, I was, the Okanagan. Okay. I was, yeah, I was in the ah. Okanagan there. So I'd gone from my little family of two. Um, I married a fellow with four kids. So we went to six kids and wow. I raised all those older kids. And then he went the way of the drugs, the cocaine up in Fort McMurray. Oh, geez. When, yes. Yeah, it was really. Addictions. My, there's, there's a theme here, addictions. Yeah. I mean, there is a theme worldwide, right? So I'm yeah, pretty, yeah. I'm very skilled at, at seeing it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the beginning of the dream of the 11 year beautiful you know falling in love and loving this family which i did with all of every cell of my um, body i just absolutely adored the kids i adored being a wife i loved being uh, you know a community member and a mom and the place where everyone came to you know eat oh. good food and hug and feel loved and and i loved it and then that villain came rearing its ugly head and stole away that a uh, little beautiful thing. So yeah, that was the end of that when I was 40. And, uh, and then I moved back to Alberta when I was 42. So we stayed a couple more years and then moved back. And then it was just kind of that ongoing, okay, what am I doing now? What am I doing now? And then mm. got on the spiritual path of, uh, not on the spiritual path, but went, there's nothing that's actually meeting this deeper spiritual need that I have to understand what in the hell has gone on in the Catholic church that has caused me so much pain Right. because I cannot wrap my head around it. Like I'm mm. supposed to be going to mass. I'm supposed to be, and which I was dipping in and out of mass all the way along to, you know, trying to, trying to figure out why I was still going to a church where I'd been so badly abused and where so many other people have been so badly abused. And, uh, there was a lot, a lot of, um, you know, the dark night of the soul sort of what, you know, why am I not getting any relief from this sort of tragedy of my life? And it could, is it still connected to this feeling unvalued and unworthy because of the original, mm. the original sin? sin. Yeah. The original <laughs> sin of your, whatever, whoever, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. sins of our fathers. Yeah. Yes. And that's a really good point, Mark, because that's what the, uh, the, the beautiful part of the whole thing is having this really clear understanding that it is not one person that has done this to me. It is that it has been done generationally. And it's this whole vibration now of a planet that's been, had this beautiful divine innocence damaged and you know so once i was able to kind of disidentify from that it was just me then mm. i can step back and go oh like here's there's the tra there's trauma everywhere we're all in a in a state of sin or separation from love really that's the way i would summarize it yeah. all of us are walking traumatized intergenerationally and then we keep repeating it uh mm -hmm. until we decide that's it <laughs> you know right yeah. So I'd taken this coursework from Carolyn Mace, who's also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Carolyn. Also a Catholic. <laughs> I, lo I loved her writings. Yeah. 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 So I took a course from her called Sacred Contracts. And as I was working through it, I thought she's still working through things also. Sure. So that was other learning is going, here's this real. And I interviewed her for my podcast because I had so much respect for her um, and her work. I just thought I actually would, I really want to talk with you about what you know and uh, what you learned as, as a result of the journey. So then I had this other 
just awareness of that she's still working things out. So even if, you know, she seems like she's got things worked out, she she doesn't have things worked out just as much as the rest of us are <laughs> on work in progress. <laughs> work in progress sort of yeah. thing. Um, huh. and the other the other thing I had a deep appreciation for myself and is that I went like I have done all this journey with all of these uh, children and with real economic difficulties and with, and with, and with, and I still am going. And that uh, I think that in some of the spiritual realms, there's people who do great work, but they never are actually in the real world. So it's pretty easy, in my opinion, to sit on the top of a mountain when you've got no temptation, when you've got no, um, you know, earthly needs and mm. or whatever you want to call it. And then to kind of check out of uh, what what uh, humankind is going through. And then for people to look at that kind of lifestyle and go, wow, it's like they're the all knowing and all seeing and all that. And I'm going, really? Like, I think you we should be giving ourselves a little bit more credit. The people like the people who have been going through the real life challenges, boots on the ground and not to, again, take away from, but to not also uplift entirely right. people who had no life challenges yeah uh yes so the sense that we're we're all normal in that sense we're, we we're all going we're all on a journey uh trying to transcend maybe our woundedness and our mm -hmm. obsessions and our traumas and our yeah and we all have a beautiful story um we do we do so thus led to the podcast prayed about what I was supposed to do next after taking Carolyn's course, because it was not called to do the actual spiritual, um, take the spiritual direction. What do you call it? Like um, getting ordained basically in her school of, of or mystery school, however you want to frame that. And I just thought, no, that's actually not for me. There's something that's still not off the, it's still not kind of on the mark for me on the mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I know I, I knew I'd make you laugh or you'd make yourself laugh. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, it so, almost escaped me. <laughs> but not quite. <laughs> not quite. Not quite. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So then I went to, uh, I prayed about it that day and then the phone rang and it was a offer from voice America to do a podcast. And it was just like some random EA had been going through stuff on the web and had seen my webpage and said like, Hey, have you ever, would you ever consider doing a podcast? I'm like, no, I had never, that would have never crossed my mind. So then I had a big laugh about that. It's like, okay, that must be the thing I'm supposed to do. So here we are flash forward, you know, six and a wow. half, almost seven years later. And yeah, both almost 300 episodes. So, so quick. you, you said something interesting that, that keyed me off and I would never talk about this kind of stuff on my podcast oh. is uh, you said you prayed about it and then the phone rang yes. and, and people often ask me, it's like, how did you go from being an economist in the Alberta government to mm -hmm. being this happiness economist? I said, it wasn't easy. You know, at first it was like, why the hell would the phone ring mm -hmm. for this bureaucrat, you know, mm -hmm. who's not known for anything except dutifully doing his work, you know, by job description to just trusting and praying. And literally I said, then it became quite clear. Oh, if I'm supposed to do this work, the phone will ring. Mm -hmm. And so my life then is a prayer and I, and I'm going to, you know, write, this is God's business plan. Yeah. God's I love that. Plan. Love like, that. Yeah. Because I surrender to the possibility that, 
every day a new person or new client might arrive in my life recognizing the gifts that I have to offer them, maybe. Right. And mm-hmm. once, you, once I surrender to that, and there's a lot of anxiety along that path, like 21 years later, it's like, don't ever think it was a cakewalk. But, um, but that's how I counsel young business students now. I said, you know, if, if all I can say to you is follow your heart, follow your joy, it'll lead you. And, and now it sounds really corny and you still, you still might want to write a business plan and we can tell you how to do that. But yeah, that's kind of surrender just to following that path. Um, right. And I think where people get, they get confused as they think that it's a thinking. And I know for me that that is a, that that's the trippy part, tripping mm. point. My best friend and I, Glennis Falloon, Glennis Falloon, a little shout out to Glennis Falloon. I love Glennis Falloon. <laughs> Glennis Falloon, Glennis Falloon. <laughs> saying Irish? her name is like singing a tune. It I is. is it Irish or what? Falloon. Irish. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's, yes. well, I was just on the phone, on a call with all these Irish, you know, they're talk about I fairies know. and, you know, Celtic knowledge and yeah. Falloon. <laughs> Falloon. I, Falloon. So I love that gal. So she, uh, yeah. Anyway, what was I going to tell about her little story? Yeah. Just the, that, um, when we were young, we would joke about that we could think our way out of anything. And that was our joke. We could think <laughs> our way out of, like we can say yes to this because we can find a solution. We can think our way out of anything. And, and wow. uh, what we've learned over the span of time though, is that we've thought ourselves into a lot of, um, I wish I knew the pro- a proper word for craziness, but you know, il- illusion, <laughs> Neptunian illusion and Piscean illusion and, and the illusion though of, of life and of um, talking yourself into things through that cognitive dissonance you know, of, of the narrative of whatever the cult or culture is promoting and pushing, you know, do you, you to eat by the absolute, tablespoon as fast as you can <laughs> and just shove that stuff down and then you know take your pills and take your medicine and you'll you'll get it that you're you're then so disenfranchised from your actual self you never hear it um because so, you, you don't have the space to do that right you're thinking all the time so t- tell me about again i love words culture culture and and uh i think you know i'd like to hear more about your experience in coaching and life coaching, leadership coaching. And w- what do you hear from the people you counsel? And, and I, I'm particularly interested in, do people begin to understand, appreciate their own unique gifts that they were born into this, on this planetary plane with, as indigenous people probably, I think we're doing, uh, when you did your vision quest as a 14 year old, right? You would get the download you or your grandmothers, your aunties, your uncles were praying for you, right? Um, but that doesn't exist in our education system today. So, so we're kind of wandering around trying to figure out what are, what are we here to do? What's our song to sing? Mm-hmm. What are the gifts that we're given? Gifts of the Spirit, as St. Paul said. I didn't, of course, being Catholic myself, I never heard that sermon. Gift is what? What do you mean, gift of the Spirit? You mean you're a healer? You're like, you're, you speak in tongues? You, you, you get prophecy? Like, mm-hmm. why would you ever... Why would the priest ever tell you that? Uh, so I'm just curious to your, your kind of w- with your years of experience and listening to people and their longings or their ideals. I think they've, 
I think that's a great question. And I think that they've changed over the span of time of how people would identify it because the further we've gone down the path of no moral compass, the, the cries have changed. So, you know, when I started as a coach 30 years ago, so in 1991 was my first paid gig and I was actually uh, coaching before that athletics and paid wow. before I was 10. What, what, what athletics? Gymnastics was my first. Wow, you're a gymnastics coach. I was a gymnastics coach for wow. many years. Yeah, my sister was actually scouted uh, for the Olympic team just shortly after the '76 Olympics because she was just so talented. Uh, but my parents actually, um, and I'm originally from Viking, Alberta, for real on a farm. So for real, my, yeah, you're for farm real girl. on a farm. That's not a myth. You were That's doing right. parallel bars in the barn, were you? Were there parallel That's bars right. in the barn? No, I'm just kidding. That's exactly. Right. Say, if everyone could see me, it's like redhead, yeah. blue eyes. Green That's eyes right. and a farm girl. Hang on a minute. Come Starting on. to sound like a unicorn here, but uh, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get much better than that. Well, well, it's yeah. It's, severely it's, normal Albertans. That, that's what we are. Yeah. I was born in Calgary, overlooking Stampede Park, so I grew up with the rodeo up. at least in my nostrils. That's right. Giddy up, cowboy. <laughs> exactly. So I was on a mixed operation. So we we did uh, grain farming and uh, had a huge garden had livestock, we didn't rodeo. Um, and so that was, uh, that's just another big, whatever. So that, <laughs> big that's whatever. It. A big whatever. My dad, yeah, it's just, I was, my parents are very moral people, like good, uh, good salt of the earth, good morals. Yeah. And I was raised in that environment, you know? So when I got out into the real world, it was an absolute shock how much people lied. I mean, other than the lies and whatever in the actual, you know, with the church, mm. Thing, but for people in general to lie, that was a surprise to me because I had been raised with so much. It takes a lot of energy to lie, I think. Oh, it's wild. And then you guys kind of go, didn't you just say last week this thing to me? And now you're saying this other thing to me. Like, how do you keep that going? Like, without being exposed by your own conscience? <laughs> right. So that's an, and so this maybe is, a, you know, part of the answer to your question about what is it that people are looking for in coaching or what are they disclosing in coaching and how the themes have changed over the span of time, because at that time people were more moral. So the morality was different and the interesting immorality has come front and center through all of our lives. So I can remember the first divorces happening when I was in about grade seven and then, and that was a shock in the community. Right. So oh yeah. It was like, what? And was and that was the only divorce then, still for a very long time. And so, but then when I got into university, it would be like I started meeting a lot of people whose families were divorced. So then you go, okay, well, that's a very weird structure. But it really now there's you know 50% of marriages maybe even are, are, more end in divorce that, versus that's it, that's correct. I know the numbers, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're the economist. I should ask <laughs> well, I keep oh, track of those weird statistics. That's right, but, but it's yeah. Yeah, and all joking aside, it's hor the horrendous um, consequences to our baby, to our babes. Oh yeah, to our babies, yeah. Absolutely devastating, and so the. And so you the, saw that in the school, as a, you know, in, in your school environment, you saw the consequences of that, and then you, I'm sure, you experienced that in the clients you have. Absolutely. So yeah. the, the the marriage being dissolved, and we, so anyone who kind of knows where that all started. Um, it's been a big PR marketing agenda for a very long time, you know, so that getting women into the workforce, 
birth control pills, having the ability for us to take life so that we don't actually appreciate life for the choices that we're making. And it's not kind of like one storyline, you know, sharply ended and that everyone was all happy and frolicking. And then all of a sudden there was all this devastation coming through. I don't mean that. There was lots of devastation happening with people, you know, not being responsible with their families in Ireland in particular. Uh, my fourth great grandfather's brother was Father Theobald Matthew, who was the person who started the temperance movement in Ireland. Wow. That's where um, you get your red hair from. Yes. <laughs> well, kidding. Father Matthew, though. Temperance. You know, so- Ooh, the temperance movement. That's heavy. Wow. Yeah, it was. Uh, but he was the first social media master. You know, he had 118,000 people or something like that take the pledge in a short period of time without Jeez. Facebook. Go figure, folks. Yeah, really. So- <laughs> he had more followers than you do on your show, I'm sure. Uh, totally. No. <laughs> I've actually asked for help. <laughs> when From we him. talk about it, you're ancestors- praying to him, right? Could you help me with Facebook, please? That's right. Oh, I, I ask my I ask my ancestors for help all the time. Help, <laughs> wisdom, connections. It's my round table, right? You go, who's at my round oh, table? Yeah. Who's helping? Yeah. Who's helping me in my mastermind? Uh, yeah, wow. and, and always towards how do I find more connections that are love? Like who's the love in the room? And they've all got mm. lessons too, though, Mark. So like the you know Father Matthew knew would have known about some of the stuff that was going on in the Catholic Church. Another one of my grandfather's fourth great grandfather was uh, Sir Etienne Taché, who was a father of Confederation, responsible for the Quebec Conference. So wow. he would have, so he would have known though, at some level about all the stuff that was going on with the Aboriginals. So and he knew what whiskey John A was drinking. He would have known. <laughs> you know, so, so, there, so there it is, but I recognize is. what it is and go, oh now, okay, I see ancestors, why I'm here and why I know what I know is that mm. this is not supposed to be recreated. We're supposed mm. to be creating something that is in the pure vibration of love. And maybe that was their effort at that time, but we've evolved through, you know, however many hundred years now. And, and this is where we are now. So, and they're praying for us in some cosmic I'm sure. way. I'm sure. sure. Yeah. And, or, or cheering for us at least. It reincarnated. Yes, some of our, you know, we're getting some of that. We're picking up um, some of that yeah, yeah, yeah. wisdom through, through the generations. And so, yeah. So here we are now, flash forward. 20 you know, been, years. You've been doing this really yeah, since 91, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and so the problems I can were count. actually, no, 30 years. I can't 30. count. I'm an economist. So okay. anyways, it was making me younger. So you go ahead. You <laughs> Ooh, 20 math. years. You're so young. <laughs> <laughs> you do your math. I'm good at that part. <laughs> yeah. So, so here we are now. And I, you know, the kids were all being drugged starting in 1991. I had one child on Ritalin in the whole school division. Three years later, there was 80, 80. Whoa. Yeah. And so, yes, it, the Jeez. drugging of adults, of parents, all the women on Valium. So first of all, it was like women staying home with their kids couldn't handle parenting. So they got everyone on Valium. On Valium, yeah. The generation of Valium. Then they got, you know, the kids in the schools, let's start drugging them. Yeah. And let's keep the parents also drugged and let's keep everyone drugged now on this, you know, highly refined sugar diet and make sure that we rob mother earth of all of her um, nutrients by raping and pillaging the soil as frequently as we possibly can. So that's actually part of the reason why my parents got, my dad got out of farming really is that he didn't pass it along because he went, we can't steward. I can't steward the land. I can't be a good steward of the land. Not with the glyphosate that my neighbor's putting on 
his land. So how can I possibly be a good steward? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so there's all that very um, complex things that we're at. So when people um, now have uh, to the lying point, it's like they've, they have not listened to their own conscience. So here we are now mm. 30 years later, and people are so far disconnected from their conscience because of so much debris and the inability to kind of look at it. And first of all, absolve ourselves of the culture, you know, forgive ourselves and then take back the, the full on frame of love, y you know, and that kind of happens in one breath, one inhale. Yeah. People, can't, <laughs> people can't see you smiling when you said love, but I was smirking, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a heavy, it's a big word. Leah. Yeah. Yeah. It's an important word. It's an important word. Can you talk mm -hmm. about love? Like, can you, like in. I can tell, I, I can talk about love. It's like the, my first experience and somebody just gave me this insight. Um, well, actually it was Paul on the other call. <laughs> <laughs> of course Probably it was. a week ago. It was Paul, that ago. Irishman from the Druid. All the Irishmen. Yeah, it's a exactly. Celtic so we were wisdom. talking about, yeah. he does. We were talking about plant medicine and I've never felt pulled to plant medicine. So I've been doing this podcast. It's a spiritual, it's called master your life on UK health yeah, yeah. radios, right? Health topics and all this stuff. With Leah Mattinson, so many... Master your life. Like, wow. You're back by exactly. popular demand. Yeah. Back by popular demand. <laughs> so here we are. And I watch all the many spiritual leaders, many psychologists, many psychiatrists going for plant therapy. We'll yes. Call it that. Everybody's doing it. And I just keep going it's for some reason it's an it's like just does not resonate for me I, I'm, so, I'm with you I, that's my inside voice yeah i'll yeah. be quiet so now. with the, with the love though so i was explaining to um um oh oh yeah because he had asked me about what my thoughts were on plant medicine i said well i close my eyes and what i know is that when i was a little girl and even still now is that i does I can go to a place where I am absolutely immersed in and am love. And it's the meadow where I grew up. I'm laying on the grass there. It's a warm spring turning to summer day. Everything's in blooms. So I can hear, you know, the birds chirping and the wind blowing and the, the smell of the meadow and all of the flowers that were there, the crocuses and the buffalo beans and the little clovers. And the, the earth is, was a mat. It's like a mat of green mm. grass and just raspberries starting to come out and blueberries and Saskatoons. And so all of these like very natural butterflies and, you know, tiger lilies are just very gorgeous and mm. disappearing, looking up at the sun, laying there on this grass as a very young girl like I don't know if I would have been you know two I might have even been two years old I'm not even ah. sure but it's just like I've always known that that is um me as like disappearing into the earth and it dissolving into completely white shimmering sparkling effortlessness wow and, and you can go there like you're there now you could just go there I can yeah. just go there yeah. and so uh it's it is bliss and it's not an effort. It's not meditation. It's, uh, it's this completely different thing. So Paul said, <laughs> that's why you don't need plant medicine. Cause that's what we're all trying to do. I, I like, said to Paul oh. and his name is Paul Mooney. I said, Paul, this is, 
I'm so freaking blissed out all the time. I don't need the mushrooms. I don't think I need the mushrooms. They're not calling me. Ayahuasca is not calling me. No, me either. And, and which so is respectful of them. But when I listen to Tim Ferriss or Gabor Mate and like all these, all these pe- men, um, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Rose and London Real, like they're like, I had to go on the ayahuasca journey. Why, Brian? Because I was still feeling the wound of my parents' divorce. Oh my goodness! Here we go again, mm-hmm. and um, and it's lovely. They they you know clearly it helped them to awaken something to their mm-hmm. their re- reality, their their truth, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not sure how to help people to learn how to get to that place where it is just all sparkly and glowy without without the need for plant medicine of any kind i can get there it's not the same thing but when i do qigong i'm a qigong teacher as well so qigong is this activation of right life force prana through your body but it's a moving practice so you're not laying still like in meditation or sitting still in meditation you're actually moving your body but as you become um, you become aware body aware because you're moving and it's dangerous if you're not body aware so your head cannot be out there <laughs> thinking, flitting around and thinking land. It's like you have to pay attention to your physiology. <clears throat> but as you actually get your movements going through Qigong, it activates all this life force energy, which feels like that sparkly, tingling it's, chi. So yeah, you and I know this because I started, I'm, I'm a terrible student. So in terms of, I'm very undisciplined, but I, I did start Qigong with, with one of my friends who's a biologist and I did it with my mother-in-law for, for quite a while. And I remember the first session with my friend, Michael, and I, I just, you put out your hands and it's like sparkly, like the energy is coming out of your hands. Even when I do it now, it's like, mm-hmm. there it is. There's a chi, there's a life force energy. All of us have it. And uh, what a beautiful, I thought, you know, Tai Chi was just, I can't remember 10,000 moves. There's no way, but eight moves, eight, for, whatever eight forms you choose, it doesn't matter. And I, and there's such joy in, in that beautiful tradition of Lao Tzu or whoever, wherever it originated, but yeah, it's a lovely yeah, so practice. The, so the Taoist, Taoist philosophy is one aspect there. So Qigong has been around for 4,000 years and there's about 3,000 forms of it. Wow. Tai Chi thank you. Comes from it. <laughs> Tai Chi comes, comes from, it. from it. Yes. And so why it might be what I found a challenge with Tai Chi really was because it's, it's militarized. It's, I said, it's a martial art and it makes sense was you, your moves are like combative. And I was like, no, no, I'm not, I don't have an enemy. I'm just moving my own energy right. and I'm in harmony with the earth and I'm, you know, grounded. And mm-hmm. actually I'm usually not very grounded, but anyways, that's a whole other. <laughs> However, but when, but here's the thing about Qigong. So um, this is a great point, Mark, is that uh, you can be very flexible and sway in a, in a absolute tropical hurricane if you're grounded and rooted. The mm. problem is that people get thrown off course because they're not grounded and rooted. And this foundational um, practice. So Qigong is something that grounds you. I've been grounded since I was very young. Like when I flash back to the experience of lying in the meadow, that's grounding. I'm as grounded and root as, as you can possibly be. So in, uh, and the more flexible you are, then you're, you don't break. Right. Just like a limber, like a trembling aspen can just shimmer like a- with. And 
the oldest living organism I think on the planet is you know uh, mycelium or or the trembling aspen grove. Um, can you? I, I know this is gonna. I'm just gonna switch gears here very because talk about Alberta and you know this is the well-being economy podcast and and one of my passions as an Albertan born and raised and you know is a my love my love for this province the land the beauty sublime beauty everywhere and and the abundance of you know the oil and gas we have you know and and you've talked about your exes being you know and the then the addiction now uh, there's someone wrote a paper called the roots of addiction in a free market society i'm like interesting paper so on one hand abundance you know the golden goose that will produce oil for 300 years but then the desire, the rush, like we got to get it now. We got to make the money today, tomorrow, because tomorrow may never come. Or, you know, and, and then we get caught in our obsessions because the money is too much. It's, it's overwhelming us. Mm-hmm. So as Albertans, this kind of, what do we do with that? Like in in the middle of this, first of all, like we thought the oil price was a pandemic, and now we've got the pandemic. And, and it's a catastrophe and we're going to chalk up a hundred billion in debt. So the question I'm posing is what do we do tomorrow? It's Wednesday today, but you know, do we get, do we mire, get mired in the, the uh, sadness, anxiety of what was, uh, how do we orient towards this more compelling vision of a commie while being, you know, you, you two years old in the meadow seeing, the fabric of creation, like, and still being able to go there in Alberta and saying, what does that guide? How does that guide us in terms of an economy of hope and possibilities? What, what do you, what's your feeling on this very Alberta kind of subject of contemplation? Yes. Love the question. (laughs) It's a great question. I think we get caught up a lot in our fiction. anyone who's been around for a few decades everyone's seen the bumper sticker like please lord let it all come back so i, yeah. I promise i won't piss it all piss away, it all away. and it'll say right. wait every seven years you know there are cycles here so <laughs> yes so if you flash back you know a few hundred years to every king in their castle you know there's always this warring and then the partying, the warring, and yeah. then the partying. And then there's the next, you know, trying to figure out how to make the next, you know, move and conquer more stuff. So what I would actually know there, there's also this nasty thing called raping too, I think. It was oh, like yes, warring, right. raping, and then partying and drinking. That's, that's and, the, right. and then raising the babies that oh, what? Like that's all messed up. Right. But we're here right now. Domestic violence is on the rise. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, exponentially. Suicides have gone up in men 30% in Canada this in 2020. Wow. Um, glo- yes. It's just, it's um, the rest- restore- restoration of sanity. I don't think I need to dip too mm. far down into the black hole because no, I, no, I, think no, no. People know, I think people know what people their personal know. health is yeah. and they yeah. know what the um, landscape looks like. And what I think everyone's learning um, at a very soul level is that nothing's guaranteed mm. and it's a blessing really of having it is this, a blessing uh, isn't it? neurological disease diagnosis <laughs> people go how do you deal with that and it's like well because you just have to appreciate every day for real like not what's out there uh and, and there's been many complications along the way so my life has not been a cake ride but no matter what your 
choice always is to choose your mood and how you feel. Thank 100% you. 100% of the time. Absolutely. 100%. You're in control of your, master your life, as you say, right? Yes. Master your emotional control. Right. Emotion. Yes. yes. And care about and have reverence for the things that actually really do matter. So if you're a parent or a grandparent, I'm so blessed to have three little grandchildren and another one on the way in July. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. I'm just, and you know, I don't know if Jesus said this or not, but I attribute it to me. <laughs> he said, love, love one another. But what I actually think he said was love one other. And when you, wow. when you look at one other and you, and it might not have been, I don't know if it was Christ or not, but whoever it was, good words, love one other. And when you pick one other person to really love and have real reverence for that one other person, then every single other thing that you do comes through the filter of that, uh, that love. And it's That's hard. brilliant. That's brilliant. I mean, I, I would say that was Mother Teresa's approach. She said one person at a time. Can I solve poverty in Calcutta? No, not in my lifetime, but one person at a time. I love them. That person that's lying right there in front of me, that yeah. one. And then there's another. But yeah, that, that's beautiful what you said. Yeah, and then it gets us out of the rhetoric also, or make or how you make the decision. So love is a verb in my mind. It is a verb. I was, I was told that by, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's a big difference between saying, I love you and I'll pray for you versus I love you. How can I help? And really, and asking yourself the why of why you're doing stuff. So why did you have your children in the first place? Why did you, why do you live here? Why, why did you just stay in Viking? Why didn't, why didn't you just, <laughs> why didn't you just stay in Viking? I know. Just kidding. I kept telling those center boys <laughs> I was going to get my name on the, get the hockey stick out of the front of the town, but it has, still hasn't worked. <laughs> I could have just joined the Hutterites or something. You know? <laughs> oh, I could have been a Hutterite wife. That's right. A Hutterite wife. <laughs> Bring a little switch up to the gene pool. <laughs> little redhead there where'd she come from <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness so, sorry yes, that's digressing okay. no, that's, it's funny it's an alberta joke no one else know what a hutterite is but really oh, well i mean it's not someone in ireland what the hell's a hutterite <laughs> well there's so many so much happen right right so here so so back to your question though really mark about it's because it's a serious question what do we actually do now it is have reference for what you've got in your life. Think about the why you're doing things. Like what is actually your motivation for why you get up in the morning every day? And if you become selfish, if you're thinking about yourself, then you really are going to struggle emotionally. Like it's very, very difficult because then you get into the pity party and the victim stuff and thinking and overthinking and thoughts are things that just float by us. Like we don't actually have original thought, which is a surprise to most people. They go, oh, I came up with the best idea. I go, no, actually, it no. just was given to you probably with 10,000 other ones that you maybe have accepted or maybe not. But what is it that you're going to, you know, and maybe to back that up, if you, if you um, think about that, you're, you have a canoe in your head and you're in your canoe in your head and you're floating down the river of thought and there's all these thoughts coming at you, which ones are you going to bring into your boat? And which ones are you right as there's millions of fish in this river millions of them but which and one's floating your boat <laughs> which one's floating your boat honey? <laughs> sorry it's really funny that's really bad <laughs> that's great will I you love- float my boat no just kidding <laughs> float my boat in so many ways 
All the ways. All the ways. <laughs> All the ways. And the things that don't, the things that sink your ship, <laughs> the things that sink your ship, don't pull that stuff into your canoe. So it's like what we do though, is we stick our arms out and bring everything in. And then we have too much stuff in our boat that is not ours to have. We're supposed to let the fish come to us. Let the fish jump in the boat. That's your inspired action and everything else is not for you. Um, so that's part of the, you know, kind of um, over anxious mind. And what we've been taught again through our, the indoctrination of the school system, you know, so in, in the 1940s, when, when in 45, when the war, World War II ended, 1500 to 2000 scientists, German scientists were set out upon the world, mm -hmm. a number of them into the USA and also into Canadian universities, which might be a surprise to some folks, but mm. so they're all part of the um, MK Ultra program. So you can all look up MK. Oh, I know. I, I just watched it on, uh, on CBC. In fact, my, mm -hmm. turns out my book publisher, the, the woman who designed my book covers, Diane McIntosh, right. we, we had a chat the other day. She says, my mother was in that Montreal facility. Mm -hmm. She was yes. profiled on the, on CBC because she was part of the MK ultra because she went into some depression and they just grabbed her and started experimenting. I'm like, what? It was happening in Canada. Mm -hmm. It yeah. was happening in uh, the University of Saskatchewan, the University of Manitoba, uh, York, yeah, Montreal. So, which was a which was a mind control program, apparently rooted in the desire of the Americans to understand why the American soldiers during the Korean War were coming back brainwashed, and um, so they experimented on severely normal people to see what they would learn about being able to brainwash people. And I think the the whole program was inconclusive and. Uh, it didn't, they still don't really know how the American soldiers got brainwashed by the Chinese mm -hmm. or the North Koreans. Yeah. So. yeah. And so people feel free to look up MK ultra. Uh, yeah. Google search that on YouTube and do some poking around. There's other, there's other things that came out of that program. So it wasn't just military control, but also control of politicians through um, subversion exercises, like the use of drugs, LSD, and then getting them in trouble with a prostitute, you know, film. Right. That. Yeah compromising people and then keep compromised people uh, continue to compromise themselves. Right. And LSD was the drug of choice um, for that program, which was interesting. Yeah. Right. So flash that back to that 19, you know, 45, 45. people yeah. go, Oh my God, experimentation has been going on that long. Yes. It's been going on longer than that. So mm. when you think about yourself as uh, in, a lab rat, which we we're talking that really, that's what a lot of us have been. And mm -hmm. so, so here we are now, another constant experiment, MK ultra technology, the, the programs that they run are what runs through mainstream media today. So how we are hypnotized to purchase stuff, how we are hypnotized to subvert our own conscience. Um, so most people would be go, I would never would have thought that I would become a porn addict. Right. Like, I don't right. think anyone wakes up in the morning, yeah, you know, when they're 20 and goes, I think I'm going to be a porn addict today, or I think I'm going to be a drug addict or an alcoholic, or I think I'm going to be on long-term heavy doses of medication to manage my depression. Uh, but this is the indoctrination now is, and the mm. indoctrination nation is not just the U S market because it's Canada too. So the staggering numbers of people who are on uh, all kinds of drugs, both uh, narcotic and non-narcotic pharmaceuticals to manage all kinds of diseases. 
is not how we come to this earth. It's right. our human right to be healthy. But again, know? it goes back to the root, you know, you started with um, your ex and all of us in terms yes. of wh why are we prone to addictions of any kind? You could be addicted to Facebook or pornography or alcohol. Uh, what is it about that predisposition to addiction right. or obsession? So which is a very, I mean, a deeply spiritual question too, but it is fascinating because, you know, that defines, I'm not, I'm not saying that defines Albertans, but to find, you know, it's, I think it's a common thread to so many of our, our lives. And right. Well, let me deconstruct it for you. Yes. Because, thank you. Yes. Because when you look at children, they're not addicted. Right. Yeah. Your right. two-year-old sitting lying in the meadow, maybe you're addicted to the smell of the clover, but even right. then you didn't even understand what that was. Like, right, the sunshine, whatever Sunshine, it is. yeah, yeah. Yes. Sweetness. Sweetness. Sweetness yeah. and love. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is the candy that should feed your soul. Right. That should be the wow. nourishment. Wow, that's a good line. Can I copyright that? Just kidding. The candy that should feed your soul. <laughs> yes, and so what happens though, and again, back to the MK Ultra and why it's important for people to understand how intentional this was. You can go on to um, YouTube and look up, there's a BBC documentary called The Century of the Self. I saw, I would show my business students, actually I was alerted yes. to that movie by Adam Bernays, his story of Freud's nephew and the creation of Mark. Unbelievable. Adam Curtis, brilliant filmmaker. He's got a new one out now, six part series. It's absolutely brilliant. It's actually, it's getting into the roots of our increasing paranoia, like conspiracy theory, like, and it's very, it's, 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 he's just a brilliant filmmaker. So yeah, Century of the Self, brilliant. Everyone should watch that to understand the roots yes. of marketing and yeah. Right. Cause once you understand the roots of marketing, you understand how easy it is to disconnect yourself from it by turning yeah. off media. Right. But until you actually understand how long this has been going on, how intentional it is and the reasons for it, you really don't believe it. It's so unbelievable that people, human beings would do this kind of diabolical stuff to right. other human beings. Like you, like you wouldn't know, like if you study the origins of television, you would have seen that the fingerprints of some German scientist who understood beta and alpha waves and, and created yeah. The, the, the signal, the, the pulsation coming out of the TV created a, uh, an entrainment kind of condition. And I know that mm -hmm. as a kid, because I, I couldn't walk by a TV if it was on in a room. I was like, mm -hmm. there was like a magnet. No matter what I was playing Legos or something, and my mother would say, you, where are you? Like, you're like in a trance. And I thought, is right. it just because it's cartoons or maybe there's something else going on? And sure enough, you realize later there was actually, there is something going on. Yeah. And is, is the key word because it is going on, going it on. Is still going on and it's become more and more pervasive in everyone's home. There's not just one TV with three channels. There's now three TVs with a thousand channels and all, all range of appetites can be wet and be satiated by sitting in front of your TV screen or your computer screen and not one ounce of it in mother nature. And right, so, right, right. Right. So we become desensitized to our humanness and completely connected to the information technology. So we have no wisdom. We have all this information coming at us all the time, the information technology and cyborging us individually and our little ones because we put them on a device just as soon as they can get it or they see us on it and they are indoctrinated that that is normal 
So I remember when my kids were little, I remember we didn't have, well, actually the first cell phones were out when my uh, was born. Mm. I, didn't, I don't know if I actually had one that I carried around with me all the time. I don't think so, but it was the old flip phones. Yes, I am. Yeah, that yeah. Old. And we certainly wouldn't have been, you know, looking no, at we, that. No, we, there was nothing to look at. It was like a boring text, you know. Exactly. So we were attending to our children still then, but by the time my kids were seven and eight you know, years old, somewhere in that age range, the technology had developed enough that the kids were starting to pull at mom and dad's pant leg going, Hey, can you listen to me? Hey, can you talk to me? Cause the parents were checked out. So that's how long this has been going on. Now it's getting close to 15 years of parents being checked out, kids being checked out and being immersed in this information field that isn't wisdom. There is no wisdom inherent in, in information and because you're not living it. It's not a lived experience. So we have a bunch, a bunch of people that we've turned out are turning out into the world with no wisdom. I, I love it because that was my opening quote in my first book, T.S. Eliot. Mm. Where's the knowledge mm. we've lost in information? Where's the wisdom we've lost in knowledge? Mm. It's like, wow. I mean, he wrote that when in the 1800s or whatever. You, but you're right. right. You're, like I said, not a new thought. It's not a new, there's no so, new thought. It's, so on that subject, because I, I love like, so getting back to the agenda. Yes. So you and I are elected. We're new, you know, shiny new elected. We're the, you're the premier of the prop. No, actually, who would you be? You'd be the health minister and I'll be the treasurer. I don't know who Perfect. the premier is. I don't know who our fearless leader. doesn't matter. I don't care who the leader is. As Peter Lougheed once said, I just have a kitchen. I have a kitchen table cabinet. Yeah. And yes. they call my friends or people I trust the most. So, so we're, we've got this brand new mandate. I'm playing this fictitiously because yesterday I posted sure. my fictional well-being budget speech for Alberta because I listened to a finance minister and I said, look, I, anyone can write a narrative. Uh, here, here's, my, here's my dream. Here's my story, a well-being economy. And yeah, we've had a hard year. We've had a hard three years. Terrible, right? But we're going we're gonna to strike out on a new path. We don't know how, where this is going to go, but... Uh, I did this once to Emma Cullen when I was on a panel with her. This was after she was out of politics. And I said, oh, to my, my, my esteemed uh, chief uh, happiness officer. And she's like, what? Because, you know, she was the health minister. <laughs> and I said, um, you know, what are we going to do about this economy? Um, can we orient towards economy well-being? And how would we do it? Because now we have a mandate. You know, and, and no more crying in her milk. You've said, okay, one thing you've said is each of us is responsible for individual volition of the path we choose to walk. Uh, that is what love is. It's a verb, it's an action. But how do you square this with the complexity of running governments and, you know, whether it's a municipality or it's a province of Alberta, and you're going to orient the budgets now to this idea. I don't think you're going to love my answer, but I'm going to give it to no, you. No, I want, I want it straight. You're, <laughs> you're the health minister. You've I'm got 50% of the budget. Well, yeah, 50% of the budget. Thank you very much. What are you going to do? Uh, smarty pants. Uh, well, I'm going to love one other. <laughs> we, we, you know, we've, we've entered this compact uh, with the crown at birth that takes yeah, away yeah. all the rights. Right. And right. So what was done at an individual level needs to be unbound. Un, unbound. Yes. It has to be mm. unbound. And all of us individually have to do it. It cannot be a governmental exercise. 
Um, but the governmental needs to get out of the way and allow people to go and get their birth certificates, like their birth records from vital stats, their long form birth certificates, and to get themselves back unindentured um, from the fiction of being somebody's property. Yeah, people don't understand the word bond, bondage, <laughs> in the way we're right. all bonded in a way. I mean, that yeah, sounds that's weird, awful. but that's a whole other subject. But you're right. It's so returning to an individual sovereign situation where we're co-responsible for each other's well-being that's a whole different operating model mm-hmm. than deference yeah. to authority or deference to a structure that we assume is taking care of us and our happiness well and that has stolen all of our self-respect from the time we were you know very little so it's like we've always got to be asking somebody else's permission for things so it's like whether it was your uh, you know, your parents, your well-intentioned parents, because we've all been well-intentioned parents. So no parent gets a black mark today. It's just but looking back and going, do we want to repeat this stuff? No, as the new health minister, what I'm going to say is the parenting has sucked because we keep, <laughs> we keep giving up our authority to the doctors who drug our kids. Yes. To the teachers who teach stuff that doesn't help our children. We well, create I, the as political I said, systems that don't help. Yeah. Justice that isn't just the legal system is not a justice system. So we keep bringing, um, we keep bringing our problems before a corrupt court. Like, are we and, are we surprised? Because even the language, we're convicted by the the inappropriate understanding of the language. You know, the word education means to draw forth what's ready. I didn't know that until the education minister Dave Hancock invited me to the Future of Education mm-hmm. Task Force, and I smarty pants that I am. We're sitting in Banff, lovely place, you know, Banff Center. And I said, you got the deputy ministers and stuff, MLAs. And I said, what, is, what does the word education mean, actually? They're like, um, it's not what we're called, the education task force? We don't know. I said, I look it up. It means in Latin to, to, to draw forth what's already within you. I said, I don't think that's what we're doing, with all due respect, is it? No. So you start to deconstruct the language and you can put it back together again and say, actually, those words are still speaking the truth, mm-hmm. but we've forgotten what, what they've, we lack the wisdom to, or understanding of what those words actually are still resonating with, mm-hmm. which is an aspiration. If it's to draw forth what's already within you is meaning, what are your gifts that you were born with? And why, why aren't you ending your work week on Friday feeling I've, I had a great week. I, you know, I, I, my work brings me meaning. I'm aligned with my life purpose. Nope. How few people, Albertans, you know, end the week saying that. Yeah. It's a great question. How many do? And it, why does the work week end on Friday? Other curious notes. That's true. Like we have all this, right? I mean, again, I was raised on a farm, so I feel very blessed that we, like the rhythms of nature are part of my being. Oh, and so it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter whether it's the cows Monday gotta or get. And my, yeah, my cousins are dairy farmers from Delburn, yeah. right? Um, and it's like, no. Nope. The baby chickens have to be tended. Yeah. You know, like you've got to take care of your lame, of the lame things that are out in the yard that need love in the middle of the winter and take, you know, it's serious. People, there's yeah, lives yeah. at stake. But yeah. we haven't taken our lives seriously. And again, it's, or the lives of our offspring because mm. it's been dumped down. So again, as the health minister, I'm just going to step back into that role because it, it is a, 
it's an, it would be an honor to actually go, hey, like we need to deconstruct this thing. People have become demoralized. That's why our, that's why everything is turning into such um, a horror show at dystopian. this Dystopian, yeah. Yeah, dystopian. So when I, th- when I think of the word demoralized, I often think of discouraged. Yeah, but, I do too, but, actually. But it, demoralized it, actually means to be without morals. Morals, that's right. And without virtue. You know, Thomas Jefferson once said, without virtue, happiness cannot be. What is virtue? Mm-hmm. Well, we've forgotten what Bradshaw, virtue is. Yeah. yeah, John Bradshaw wrote a great book too called, uh, I think it was called Reclaiming Virtue. John Bradshaw, mm. Reclaiming Virtue. But values assessments, like I took self-esteem assef- assessment training when I was a young uh, you know, counselor in this school division, because I could just see kids, their self-esteem was completely cratered. Mm. You know, so they come in in grade one, everyone's feeling good and like sunshine. By the time they got six <laughs> months into grade one, it's like 30% of them had had a 50% decrease in their self-esteem. Why is that? Wow. 50%. Because they weren't 50%. Yeah. And by the time grade three rolled around, they were all walking around like a bunch of zombies. So well, you that's know, fascinating for my work because yeah. I'm only starting to measure well-being at age 11 mm-hmm. uh, because the science says happiness starts to decline around puberty. But you're mm-hmm. saying is probably if we if we surveyed at kindergarten, if we yeah. whatever questions we would ask a five-year-old, right, about their happiness or well-being, because happiness is well-being of your spirit or soul. I, I don't know how to ask a five-year-old that question. Well, there but, is an official survey. Like Dr. Fra- there's a developed protocol for that. There's Dr. What's his first name? Fraser is his last name. Uh, but it was actual training that I took. Wow. So you could go in and do the assessment and then do a post-assessment. Yeah. Um, because so, they wanted, again, justification for why you would be bringing certain programming into the school so early. Because so I'm a, an advocate. So that, that, that would be my question. So, you know, I'm I'm the finance minister and you're the health minister. I'm like, Leah, like, have we ever done the assessment you're talking about? Have we ever asked those questions of Albertans? Uh, I don't, I don't have any ledgers over here on the finance, financial statements. So how would we go about in your, in your mind to celebrate, uh, celebrate those virtues, not virtues now, just, just those well-being conditions of the human beings that make up for the 4.4 million people who live here? How would I celebrate it? How would you go about actually a, the question, maybe it's a rhetorical question, would you even bother trying to measure it? And if you did measure, what would you do with the information? Like, what, how would it guide a decision? You're, you've got half the the budget here. You've got the half the budget that I might call sick care, not health care, not well-being mm-hmm. care. Right. Not soul care. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And it's, again, I guess, going back to the measures and standards of, of how much evidence visually does a person need to realize how sick things are and what i do see is that we over measure and then underdo anything it's like oh we know the stat for this but nobody does a single thing about it right so oh we collected statistics on the number of people who became psychotic this year and then we didn't do anything about it but it justified all of us having jobs so this is what government does Mm. is government comes in and mentally governs people with numbers instead of actually looking at what's going on in, in people's lives. And it's, thank you. Give a great example of uh, when I was working again in the school division, I went out to the playground early, my first week and somebody, one of the teachers had asked me if I would cover playground supervision for them. So I'm like, sure, no problem. So I got out to the playground. 
my first week and I'm watching these kids. And I thought, who's that little, you know what, over there? And what's he doing? <laughs> so <then laughs> I came back to my counseling office, you know, two days later, this teacher came in and she said, um, and in the meanwhile, I'd seen this one student for counseling, this little guy, and he had, um, he licked his underneath his lips so much, a, two, a grade tour. So a seven-year-old yeah, he had anxiety yeah. so much that he licked underneath of his lip. He has no skin left underneath of his lip, none. And so he's in grade two. So he's already been in this school for over a full school year and maybe even kindergarten at that time. And there he is, this poor little one with his face, just a mess. And the teacher came in and said to me, I don't know what's going on with so-and-so, this little student. You know, do you think you could help with that? And I said, well, I can tell you what's going on with so-and-so. What's going on in the playground that I observed in like 15 minutes. So who's that little? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's that little brute? And what's been going on? And this kid had been bullied, like just ridiculous. And she goes, well, I didn't even know what was going on. I'm like, how could you not see it? I was out there for 15 minutes. Mm. Very un, they don't observe. So they don't, it's almost like they don't observe. They get busy and distracted, but there's no reverence for the work that they're doing. You know, so when you actually see that pain is happening, if you're acting in the proper manner, you go and you intervene. You don't wait for it. You don't wait for a policy. You don't wait for somebody else to give you permission. You don't, you, you grab that little person and you stick the person who is out of line and you have a chat with them about what they're doing. And then there shouldn't have to be 52 policies and everyone covering everyone's ass with more policies and more it, red. Tape. It's pretty simple. And, like virtue is right? pretty simple. Like being, it's, being right. good and kind and better is a simple, you know, and there is always going to be duality. So I'm not in the snowman's land of going, you know, <laughs> nobody's ever mean or nobody, you know, all of this. We live in duality, but we've got so far away that it's this huge amount of evil and then has to be counter positioned with a huge amount of really people doing really good stuff, as opposed to it kind of being this middle of the road where, you know, sometimes you do some things that are offside and sometimes you're doing things that are pretty spectacular. Uh, it's like farming, it's, and which takes us back to your roots, to Viking. <laughs> So we do come full circle and uh, we do. well, thanks Larry. Uh, this has been like fabulous. A lot to talk about. A lot there's so much. About. There's so, there's more. There's like footnotes. Now there's like appendices to this podcast. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yes. Well, my, but my hope for all Albertans is the same hope that I have for my grandchildren mm-hmm. is that we have a beautiful province or a beautiful place where we live that we regard mother earth as the um, source of all good ideas. Thank you. And that we care for mother earth as the source of all good ideas, because that's where our generation is from. And then everything else falls away. It's it's so true. I, my friend, Janine Benyus, she authored the book Biomimicry and she lives in mm-hmm. the Bitterroot Mountains in Montana, you know, and she's uh, too spirited. She's saying it doesn't matter, but you can imagine living in Montana, right? And you're uh, you're gay, but it, it, it the, but she's brilliant, and she says all design is inspired by nature. Nature mm-hmm. is the perfect design, so let's mimic our economies based on nature, yes. on the aspen forest, on the look how they're always trying to be in harmony, right? Mm-hmm. It never, it's never perfect. It's it's not too efficient. It's not too diverse. It's just the right. It's like the three bears, right? It's just mm-hmm. the right temperature porridge. That's so. Right. Uh, Thank you for um, 
was a delight to have you. And and you're, we, we find out more about your show, at, uh, Master Your Life. You're all over YouTube. You yes, have thousands you. of followers. Well, yes, 10, yeah. at least 10. At least if 10. I that, haven't, if I haven't got censored this week. That, that's, well. <laughs> I, I got censored last week for 10 days. So. <laughs> I don't think but I'll ever be, plat- unless I can get deep platform for saying love, um, I think right. I'm okay. And I, I'm just an economist. Like I, I'm like as straight as whatever. No. Straight laced as they come. <laughs> people can find me at my new, my website at leahmountinson.com or at masteryourlife.ca. Wow. Well, this has been, thank, thank you so Thanks, much Mark. for your time.